I am Alma, and who am I? Um, I'm just someone that is passionate about helping others. Um, and I reached out to you originally. I do coaching. Um, but yeah, for me, it's more about connecting with others and holding a vulnerable space for others. Um, and I realise that's what people really need. And this is kind of where my journey starts. Childhood emotional neglect is a failure of parents or caregivers to respond to a child's emotional needs. This type of neglect can have long-term consequences as well as short-term, almost immediate ones. Hey there, it's JD. This is the What's Your Story podcast. Understanding why childhood neglect happens is important for parents, teachers, caregivers, and so many other people that interact in our lives. It's also good to know what it looks like in a child who has experienced it and what can be done to correct it or help a child overcome it. Keep listening to find out why this happens during childhood and what it means for adulthood. But more importantly, how this week's storyteller, Alma, has healed and rebuilt after dealing with a past such as this. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. I, in my past is I never really had this vulnerability that I needed. Um, I never had this um, these emotional needs met to be seen, to be heard, to be, to feel connected to. Um, and that, you know, that can be eye contact, that can be just, you know, someone holding a space and, you know, allowing you to, you know, to breathe and be, you know, to shine and have that space to be seen. And just being there when things were, when I was confused or I didn't understand things or I was scared throughout my life and I never really had someone there to be like you know ha you know really have that intimacy and be like you know it's okay 
And yeah, so most of my life I lived in fight or flight mode and I actually don't remember my life um, without anxiety and depression. I got diagnosed in school and high school um, officially when I was 14, but I've always had it. Um, and that is because I have always had, I've always been disconnected. And yeah, and so as I went into this passion of coaching and I took a couple of courses, I realized that through my own research, the reason why is because of lack of vulnerability. When we're talking about childhood emotional neglect, we're speaking about a situation that involves overlooking and dismissing some or all the emotional needs of a child, whether deliberately or inadvertently. Emotional neglect can exist on a broad spectrum. Some caregivers may be attentive to certain emotional needs of a child, but not others, while others may completely neglect the minor's emotional needs. In general, emotional neglect during childhood involves inattentiveness to the kid's emotional development and can have both long and short-term effects. Yeah, um, because I realize the reason why is because when we're, when we're disconnected, we're like disconnected from who we are in the heart space. And, you know, it's like we've almost taken a step, step back and we just kind of disconnect from presence. And then, you know, the, what's left is the head, the brain, um, in this control mode. And the brain doesn't understand vulnerability because it's a you know it's a feeling function it's not a thinking function and when we live from the mind which is you know stemmed from fear and um, because we didn't have this vulnerability and this safety and therefore this safety because vulnerability provides safety for us emotionally um we yeah we hmm how can i put it yeah, we get lost in our heads. We really do. And for me, um, you know, I had, you know, as, as I was researching a lot about vulnerability, I realized, you know, how can I, how can I be vulnerable when my head is saying, don't do it? <laughs> you know, there's given a thousand reasons why I don't do it. Don't do it because they'll laugh at you, because they'll judge you, because they'll reject you, because they won't listen. And this is just with my family, and I just couldn't. And it really took, you know, I went through a chronic burnout, um, really severe burnout. And this is, you know, where it gets really juicy, <laughs> as you could say, um, where um, I moved to Sweden um, for a corporate role um, from the UK. And I, before I had taken that role, I became burnt out from this company where it was a very toxic environment. And because I didn't have the emotional skills to navigate myself, because my, I, they weren't met. My emotional needs weren't met, so I was not able to navigate my emotions due to the lack of emotional development. When I had left that job and moved to Sweden, that's where everything crashed down for me because I lasted a few months. You know, I had this apartment, I had the partner, I had the savings, I had the lifestyle, was shopping every week, and here, I, and honestly, I was a complete different person 
you know, I really, my self-worth was really dependent on the outside. I didn't know what the inside even meant. I didn't even realize there was a whole universe inside. Um, and, you know, I had everything and I was always just making sure I have this picture together. And then this one time I remember walking home from work feeling dead. I literally felt like a zombie. I I just remember I, I didn't even have facial expressions. And I was like, something's seriously wrong. Something's seriously wrong. I can't feel. Like, this was the this moment for me. I was like, I can't feel anything. And I booked a life coach session. And this is where my passion ignited. And I had this call with this woman. And she said to me, I'm not going to lie to you. You look dead. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that someone said that to me on the first call, you know. Being vulnerable is scary. After all, it has the power to change your life. To unpack vulnerability, though, you have to step into uncertainty and examine how it shows up in any and all of your relationships, both with others and yourself. Examining human vulnerability means you're intentionally scanning how it shows up in your body or how it impacts your day-to-day -day actions. While your gut instinct may be to avoid it at all costs, it's possible to build a quality life-changing relationship with vulnerability. In the end, it could transform fear into belonging. First, we have to understand what vulnerability is. And I'd be remiss to talk about the definition of vulnerability without citing the work of Dr. Brene Brown, an author and research professor at the University of Houston. Brown has spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, as well as empathy. In her book, Daring Greatly, she defines vulnerability as, quote, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Through her research, she discovered two powerful yet opposing takeaways that she shares both in her book and in her TED Talk on shame and vulnerability. The first is that vulnerability is at the core of shame, fear, and the struggle for worthiness. The second is that vulnerability is the birthplace of joy, creativity, and belonging. To find joy, creativity, and belonging, Brene Brown argues that we must face what it means to be vulnerable, shame, fear, and the struggle for worthiness. Maybe you're one of those people like me who cringes when they hear the word vulnerability, though. Maybe the very thought of being more vulnerable nauseates you, conjuring up images of holding hands around a campfire while you cry over how your best friend doesn't love you like you love him, or whatever the case is. I'm here to tell you, though, that vulnerability is far simpler, more mundane, and yet way more powerful than all the preconceived wishy-washy notions you might have. Humor me for a moment and listen to this list and tell me if any of it applies to you. You constantly fall into boring conversation topics because they're safe and shallow and you don't have to risk offending or inciting anyone with them. You haven't exercised or groomed yourself to the extent that you could because you didn't want to stand out too much. Dressing extremely well makes you feel uncomfortable. Smiling at strangers makes you feel creepy. Or maybe the idea of asking someone out openly scares you because of the possibility of rejection. All of these are symptoms of a root problem, an inability to make yourself vulnerable. And that's fair, because many of us weren't taught how to express our emotions freely. For whatever reason, maybe our home situation, maybe childhood trauma, maybe our parents did never express their emotions either. We've grown up with habits, habits embedded deeply into us to keep us stifled and bottled up. Don't be controversial. Don't be unique. Don't be anything 
silly or wild or selfish. I was the same way. My entire young life, I was terrified of anyone not liking me. The mere thought of someone hating me, girl or guy, would literally keep me up at night. And to some degree, it still does as an adult. As a result, every aspect of my life revolved around people-pleasing, hiding my faults, covering my tracks, and blaming others. And while this all may sound hokey and new-agey, trust me, it's not. Connecting with others in this way by being vulnerable, as opposed to overcompensating and trying to get everyone to like you, is going to result in some of the best interactions and relationships of your life. Vulnerability is a cornerstone concept in pretty much everything that we do. It's probably the, one of the most misunderstood concepts, though, too. Let's keep listening to Alma's story, and together we'll unpack this concept of vulnerability and how we can harness the power of it and ultimately live a more fulfilling life. Yeah, I, I felt, yeah, felt emotionally dead, yeah. And she was like, you know, and she was the one that said that I looked like a zombie. And it wasn't until I watched the recording after where I was like, oh, my God, that's me. Um, and I remember her asking me, what do you feel? Like, what do you really feel? And I, she can see that I was, like, looking up side to side. And she's like, I didn't ask you what you think you feel. I ask you what you feel. And I, and I was like, I don't feel. And she was like, what do you feel? I don't feel anything. And I was getting angry. And at this point I was crying because I felt dead inside. It, was, it took her putting me into what felt like a like hypnotic, um, it was, you know, meditation and, you know, really surrendering. And she was, she really guided me through it and said, you know, say what first comes up from the body. And I did. And the answers that came out when I had my eyes closed were just shocking. <laughs> These things that I had bottled for so long. And she asked me what my next, you know, what I needed to do. And I said, I needed to quit my job and take time for myself. And that was when I realized when I opened my eyes, I was like, oh my God, like, I cannot do this. Like, I've, I've just moved my life to Sweden, you know. I've invested so much money into it, moving, and and I lost it all. I, I mean, I lost the investment that I put into it. Um, but yeah, I quit my job. I moved back to the UK. I um, And then what had happened as I returned back to my parents, the second event, big event that happened to me was I fell into severe dissociation, if you know that is. And what happened to me here was, you know, I was already going through a very difficult period in my time. I was at home with parents and I couldn't rest. Even though I came home to rest, I could not rest. It took me such a long time to recover because every day, even though I wasn't physically active, my brain was on 24-7, over-worrying and overthinking. I don't even have a job. I don't have responsibilities. But I'm still 24-7, switched on my brain, scared to death, thinking, how am I going to do it? How am I going to make it? How am I going to be successful? All I could think about was status. All I could think about was what people are going to think. All I could think about is, how am I going to punch back and... Again, it was all just this attachment. This is what it was. Everything comes back down to attachment. Attachment to the outside because I had detached from my heart a very long time ago. Yeah. 
A lot of people, especially those who spent their entire lives covering up their emotions, have a hard time knowing exactly what vulnerability is. It's understandable. A lot of behaviors that might look like displays of vulnerability on the surface are actually incredibly manipulative and or needy, i.e. the opposite of being vulnerable. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, I want to be clear about what genuine vulnerability is. Vulnerability is consciously choosing not to hide your emotions or desires from others. That's it. You just freely express your thoughts, feelings, desires, and opinions regardless of what others might think of you. This can be as simple as complimenting someone on how good they look, approaching an attractive stranger you don't know, establishing clear and strong boundaries, or expressing your undying love to someone. It can mean putting yourself in a position where you can be rejected, saying a joke that might not be funny, asserting an opinion that may offend others, joining a table of people you don't know, or telling someone you're attracted to them. Practicing vulnerability really is as simple as just doing these things, but while being more vulnerable simply, simple, it's not always easy. That's because all of these things require you to stick your neck out emotionally in some way. It's risky, and there are often real consequences to being vulnerable. But the key to true vulnerability is that you're willing to accept the consequences no matter what. The truth is, you're going to offend some people. You're going to turn some people off. You might lose a friend or a client or a romantic partner. But vulnerability is the path to true human connection. As Robert Glover said in No More Mr. Nice Guy, humans are attracted to each other's rough edges. Show your edges. Stop trying to be perfect. Expose your true self and share yourself with inhibi without inhibition. Take the rejections and lumps and move on because you're the bigger, stronger person. Yeah. And, and you know, I really can say that I did not have an internal navigation. I really didn't. My whole life, I have been told, don't, you know, Listen to us from parents. Listen to us. And whatever you think is best for you, we know what's better for you, <laughs> you know? And when you get conditioned like this by parents, then your life's no longer in your hands. You lose this. You lose touch with this internal navigation system inside of you, which is your intuition. And you're always looking for answers on the outside, and you're always, you know, asking for answers on the outside for something that cannot be answered from the outside because if it can... It's not aligned to who you really are, again, in the heart. There's only one answer for that. Not a zillion that the brain can come up with, a zillion that the outside can come up with. Um, and so, you know, I really I really did struggle, and I kept trying to start over, start new deals. Let me try this business idea. I was trying to try do business ideas because I really wanted to do entrepreneurship. And I start up like a zillion you know I want to start a zillion different things and I kept failing because I kept burning out because it's not what I really want and you know when we do what we really want it comes into a flow um amongst other things I get that um but yeah but what had happened to me in this event when I fell into severe dissociation was I was um Someone had told me, told me, and this is actually someone that's dealing with narcissism, um, but that's a whole different story, but I would just say that they actually attempted to convince me in this point where I was being vulnerable to them, and this was a family member, 
and I really needed support and I had no one in my life and I was being vulnerable with them. I thought they actually cared and what they actually looked me in the eyes and they said, you are crazy. They actually looked me in the eyes at my most vulnerable point and they said to, and they looked into my eyes and they said, you're crazy. I think you should go to the mental hospital. And I didn't, out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And whilst I was being vulnerable and um yeah obviously as I look back at it now I realize that people when they say things that's hurtful it isn't about others it's always about ourselves and you know they've become triggered by something you've said it's reacted in their body uncomfortably and therefore they are projecting the uncomfortable what's uncomfortable in them to you out of their own fears and beliefs what had happened is that night I went to bed and my brain was in so much agony my honestly my brain was like I literally felt everything just going crazy I was trying to sleep and the weirdest thing happened I remember like my brain was creating all these formulas and calculations it's super scientific Honestly, it was the weirdest thing that I could ever imagine, like, speak about. My brain was literally creating all these formulas. It's almost like I was getting answers to formulas out there. I don't know what was happening to my brain. I literally don't know. But when I had woken up, my whole vision turned to 2D. I no longer saw 3D. And I had had memory loss. I experienced memory loss. I couldn't visualize. And I went into 2D vision. Like, you know, when you're playing a game... It looked, it looked like that. Everything looked pixelated. And I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do from this point. I really didn't. I was like, I, you know, I, the more I panicked, the worse it was getting. We'll take a little break for a second and let our brains process what's all been said for a moment. When we come back, though, we'll finish up Alma's story as well as hear ways that you too can be more vulnerable so that those emotions don't stay inside and we don't shut ourselves down in the process. Stick around. People from all over the world have been sending in questions, and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things. From breakups and loss to work pressure, racism to gender, dealing with parents to dealing with social media, and want to talk more about them. So ask me anything. Head over to the website today at fragilemoments.org ask. Whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles. Sometimes I'll combine research with my own thoughts, and other times I'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation. All submissions are anonymous. I only ask for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to fragilemoments.org slash ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write, which is why I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so I created an opportunity I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy due to the darkness 
of mental illness. As someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the Storyteller community. For $5 a month, the Storyteller community is a private, self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the Storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to fragilemoments.org community and let's build, share, and heal together. So I was like, I can't panic. Even though I feel like I'm dying, I cannot panic. Um, and so I was like, I had to, you know, not complain, like not I say not complain, not say anything to anyone, not because I was going to panic myself. So I really kept it to myself and I just tried to breathe through it. And what had happened was I was attempting to just find different ways to help myself and... I tried so many different therapies. I threw so much money, all the rest of my savings went onto trying to find, um, to just find relief from what I was experiencing because it was so painful. And I remember it got to a point where I thought, and my memory was getting worse. And I thought, I just broke down. And I said, and I just was honest with myself. I said, I might, I might not wake up tomorrow. I might not remember who I am tomorrow. And at this point, I guess you could call it an ego death, but a very horrible one. You know, I think there's talks of this, and this was my experience of an ego death through trauma. Um, And I remember feeling like all my ego had gone, like all the just hate that I had and pain, it just all went in a split second when I realised that I was going to die, and I think this can, I'm assuming this often happens when people are about to, you know, maybe feel like they're going to die. And I remember hugging my parents and saying for the first time properly, I love you. And, you know, messaging my siblings and just saying, I love you. And, and you know, I, it, I was just, you know, at that point I was just attempting to make peace with what was happening for the first time in my life. Um, and after that, I lost my relationship and um, of you know, my long-term relationship. And yeah, I lost the rest of my savings and I was, I was, I felt completely lost with no direction. I don't know who I am. I'm in 2D. <laughs> um, and it really stayed that while for it stayed that way for a while the only thing that gave me relief interestingly not that I had been really into this before is um Reiki and it's just yeah really interesting um it's just energy healing and it just provides some sort of relief it's not it's not a solution it's more just about providing relief whilst we work on a solution or come to a solution yeah and I remember that really helped and then eventually the symptoms came back if you've been paying close attention you've noticed that real genuine vulnerability represents a form of power a deep and subtle form of power 
I mentioned Brene Brown's book earlier, Daring Greatly. She mentions that a person who can make themselves vulnerable, exposing their weaknesses without any regard to what others will think, is saying to the world, I don't care what you think of me. This is who I am, and I refuse to be anyone else. It's the backwards law in action. In order to become more resilient, more formidable, you must first bear your flaws and weaknesses for the world to see. In doing so, they lose their power over you, allowing you to live your life with more honesty and intention. Opening oneself up to vulnerability, training oneself to become comfortable with your emotions, with your faults, and with expressing oneself without inhibitions doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, and it's a grueling one at times. But I can assure you, if you put in the work, if you have the difficult conversations, if you express yourself honestly, even when it's risky to do so, if you tell the world, this is who I am and I refuse to be anything else, you'll find new depth in your relationships, all of your relationships, and you'll come out the other side unashamed of your flaws and who you are. All of this process, though, of being more vulnerable and finding the power of it becomes more difficult if we have some form of childhood emotional neglect, though. So I want to go back to that. Healing from childhood emotional neglect takes time as well. But I want to give you a few things you can do to start the healing process. The first step is gaining awareness of your patterns. Notice the feelings that come up for you when someone asks for help. Start getting curious about the reaction that shows up in the forms of thoughts or feelings when you think someone is upset with you. Use your curiosity to connect with yourself. Instead of judging yourself for what you might have done wrong, get curious about the self-critic that is showing up. Notice the relationships in your life. Get curious about what those relationships bring into your life. We try to fill the emotional emptiness by holding on to people, by seeking external validation and not disappoint anyone. These strategies work well as kids because during that time we have to rely on our caregivers for safety. However, they backfire after we grow up. The cure for this emotional emptiness comes from within, just like digging for the power to be vulnerable. Your acceptance of self, showing compassion towards others, connecting with your feelings and expressing your needs are a few things that might slowly fill that emptiness so that we don't become a walking zombie, that we don't feel dead inside, that you, just like Alma here, can find a way to move past it and live a fulfilling life that you deserve and that you are fully capable of. I feel like the most toughest thing about my journey was that I didn't have a support system. And, you know, I, I am um, one of six children. I'm the sixth. And um, unfortunately, my family have never been vulnerable. They've never connected. And this is the way that you know, because my parents don't have this capacity, emotional capacity, because of, you know, it's generational. Their parents didn't have the emotional capacity and then therefore they didn't have vulnerability and empathy. And, you know, we're all just closed up in the heart, wounded. We're just all wounded children. And, um, and so that, yeah. And so for me, that was also the difficult part was, you know, living at home and not feeling understood you know, I feel like with my father, I I didn't feel understood. Um, and I just felt like I was a burden. And I realized that, you know, whilst doing a lot of this work, I realized that my self-esteem and my self-worth was really attached to what 
he thought of me. Um, and I felt like a failure, of course. You know, I lost everything in the material world. And so, yeah, now, t- you know, we're coming back to where I am now <laughs> and how I progressed through that journey, um, I can definitely say it takes awareness. It takes awareness to to find a way out. I don't. I won't say a way out. Actually, I would like to say a way in, because actually we are already in our side of us. You know, we're in the heart. We've just got everything around it, and it's really a process of letting go of everything that we're not by realizing and asking ourselves what we're not, so we can, you know, make space. Oh, should I say, remember who we are? Vulnerability is a life changer. Harnessing the power of vulnerability allows you to say what you want, ask for what you need, express your emotions, and celebrate your achievements. Every time you do, you give yourself permission to do it again. So I thank you to Alma for taking the time to find that vulnerability within herself and show us that while we may grieve the loss of ourselves at times, we can ultimately find that strength and discover who we are within. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. These wonderful and amazingly inspiring stories are yours, the listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. And if there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, and I truly hope there is, you can find me over on Twitter at at StorySharingPod and let me know what you think. Above all, and in the end, thanks to you, as always, for the listener, for tuning in to another episode of What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. Any show, big or small, but especially a small one like this one, survives based on reviews from you, the listener. If you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on a future episode as a token of my gratitude. Thank you again for tuning in and I look forward to hearing your story one day because we all have within us a story to tell, an opportunity to be vulnerable, a song, as I like to say, yet unsung.